ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take you all the way down in New Orleans this time. Competition is David Grubb, and here to join me today and talk all things LSU is the one and only Glenn West, one of my favorite people in all the sporting world. Glenn, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Uh, you know, just you know, following this coaching carousel, like you know, you know, you wouldn't believe. I mean, it's been just 24 seven with LSU, man. You never have a, a dull moment with these guys and having news to report. So it's been keeping me on my toes, but it's been fun. How are you doing? I'm doing well. It's been a hectic week. Um, last night, of course, with the Pelicans. And then I also called the uh, Tulane women's basketball game. And that was the first nice. time they lost that I was in the, that I called oh. their game this year. So the streak is broken. They had been undefeated. Yeah. Both women and men. I had not seen a loss this year until last night. But all things come to an end. Before we get into the meat, I want get, to get some of the, 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 the junk food off the table. Okay. So after Monday's game, the national championship, Bama beats Ohio State. And immediately, and this is what is done, especially in the SEC, the conversation turns to 2019 LSU versus 2020 Alabama. Before I let you comment, I'm just going to say this. A, I don't think that there is any way to make that a reasonable comparison, just on the, the circumstances of the two seasons alone. I don't think we saw anything compared to, you know, as far as this season, I don't think you could say that it was an all things being equal season. That being said, LSU's team is just objectively better. Last year, the team as a whole was a better team. The resume was a better resume. To me, it's not an argument to start, but it's also one not to even have. Yeah, you know, look, I I think we've already seen this play out last year. I mean, right? I mean, like, how many different players did Alabama have on that 2019 roster that they didn't have in 2020? Now, obviously, Devonta Smith took a huge leap this year. He was fantastic. He was really mesmerizing to watch. But he was great last year, too. He was the one that cooked LSU all night in that game in Tuscaloosa in 2019. Um, so, you know, look, I – I, I keep coming back to just like you said, it's, it's, you know, the team as a whole, I do agree that I think LSU's 2019 roster was just from top to bottom, just stacked. I mean, Joe Burrow, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall. You're not, you're not defending any of those guys. Like it's, there's just no way. Moss. And, yeah. Yeah. And against, you know, this 2020 Alabama defense, which let's be honest, gave up some points this year. They, they weren't, they haven't really been the, the, the same defense that we've expected Alabama to be the last couple of years. Um, I think there would have been no problems with Bill Burrow and company putting up a ton of points on Alabama. And, you know, I think last year's LSU defense, you know, they had some stinkers in there, you know, the Ole Miss and even Alabama, they gave up 41 to Alabama last year, but really down the end of the, down the stretch of the season, you could see that this was an improving unit, Oklahoma, Clemson, Georgia. I mean, those, those three games right there, I think they averaged something like 18 points a game, and those were two really. We go back to the offers. Texas and A and M game. Yeah. You know that's what yeah. really A and M too. Yeah, exactly. I mean that was a team that was ascending, you know, as as the season ended, um, and just only getting better. And so, yeah, I think LSU's 2019 team. I might be a little biased. I was there the whole time, 
But I, I think they're one of the greatest of all time. Um, and I think you got to put them right up there with that Miami team, with that Nebraska team. I mean, just, just, I mean, it's just, um, I, there's no, hardly any words to describe how that 2019 unit just clicked. It was and just I, one of those things. I don't see us taking this Alabama team. And A, I don't feel like they were, LSU overwhelmed people. Last year, and, and it was a, a thing that you could physically feel. We were there, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. we saw it. Absolutely. It was, it was an overwhelming from week to week. Just emotionally, physically, the team itself, mm-hmm. they were rock stars. Yeah. In a different, and it became a national thing. Like, so the, the way that they swept the awards, the, mm-hmm. the entire part of it, you will not remember. And, I, and I, outside of Alabama – and as a person who follows sports for a living, and that's your job too, I will not remember this Alabama season. I don't yeah. know of a moment that I'm, I'm – yes, Devontae Smith is amazing. Yes, Mac Jones had some great games. But I'm not going to remember this team. Yeah, I think that also kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with just Alabama being so dominant, you know, the last 10, 15 years. You know, it's just kind of – I mean, yeah, it's another great year for them, you know. But LSU season was such lightning in a bottle because they have been so – inconsistent over the years they haven't been you know the consistent you know national champs or in that running for being a, a championship contender so I think that, that certainly has something to play uh, in it as well I would have loved to see that matchup I mean just 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 to see you know uh, obviously for for fans you know uh, of football and that who just love watching great football I mean that would have, that would have been a great game to watch if LSU's you know last year's team played this year's Alabama team but um, you know I think you just got to go with history and then records and you know, I don't think there was many more, you know, national headlines that LSU could have gotten last year. And I think, you know, Alabama, you know, this whole season has kind of been kind of flown under the radar. It hadn't been so much just, okay, Alabama here is, you know, dominating, whereas it's, oh, let's just try to get this season in because of COVID. I think that's been the most dominating headline. And I think that's, you know, another reason why this, this season could be, I guess, a little bit more forgettable for for for, you know, obvious purposes. Yeah, the playoff to me, it, it felt that it was, you know, set and done two months ago. I think we knew yeah. what the final four teams were going to be, no matter the outcomes, because we looked at the schedules, we looked at what the TV situation was, and so you knew. I mean, I there was no surprise. Everybody, you know, college football, the thing is, every week means something. It didn't this year. It just legitimately didn't because games got switched or canceled. Teams, Ohio State played six games. <laughs> you know, you just it, it, the maneuvering from conferences to try to get teams in. Notre Dame it, in a normal year. I mean, legitimately, there were maybe seven or eight quality college football teams this year. We don't yeah. know about most of these teams because they didn't play anybody, not even in their own conferences. Because in the SEC, this was a down year for at least. 12 programs in the SEC. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. <laughs> um, LSU, of course, we don't have to belabor their season five and five, uh, the self-imposed bowl ban. Three things were key going into this offseason. Number one was the staffing, as you talked about, and we'll get into that in just a second. Number two, retention of players keep bringing back those veterans which LSU loses so many from year to year and number three recruiting so let's start with the coaching staff Jake Peets and DJ Mangus um, announced yesterday they're uh, formally introduced excuse me um, what I really liked about what they said is 
I am not a fan of coaches who are stuck with systems, who just believe in a philosophy. And and the genius that I think of Joe Brady being added to the staff two years ago, um, the genius that we look at in a Sean Payton type offense is that it's to, it's matched up based on the opponent and the players that I have. And that's a lot of what those two talk about. Uh, and that's exciting to me. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you, you watched that press conference yesterday. I think it was about 45 minutes in totality. They said literally everything that you kind of wanted to hear if you're an LSU fan. Like these these are guys that are going to young, energetic. They're looking to come up the coaching ladder. Um, they're, they're already, you know, three days into their 10 years here at LSU or building those relationships. Coach O talked about it yesterday, how every offensive player he's met with, he's talked to, comes out of those meetings with eyes just bright. I mean, they're just huge because they just are like, oh, man, this is totally different than what we had last year. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, what what Pete said yesterday, what Mangus said yesterday that I think kind of stuck with me the most is, you know, you, you are going to get some kind of diversity with the offense left ne- ne- next season. You know, they're they're not going to be stuck to just the spread, just the shotgun formation. Um, they're going to really delve in, I think, in the next couple of weeks and looking at this roster as a whole, looking at what each individual player can do. Um, from on the field, whether it's in the passing game or in the running game. And they're going to put out formations next year. They're going to keep defenses on their toes. And that's what you really want to see out of an offense is, you know, not only adjusting to what the defense gives you, but adjusting yourself. You know, you want to, you want to, you know, put out some, some, some players and put out some different packages to keep the defense on their toes. And, and, and I think, you know, with LSU bringing in, uh, you know, these two new running backs, I'm very high on Corey Kiner and Armani Goodwin. I think they're going to bring a different element to this running attack that we didn't really see last year. Um, you know, those are two, you know, kind of quick, explosive, short, stockier guys, kind of like the Clyde edwards Hilaire build that we came so accustomed to in 2019. Um, they have obviously a whole slew of receivers coming in and they could be adding Brian Thomas out of Louisiana, who's the big, you know, I think big fish out there left for them to potentially grab. Um, Keishon Butte, obviously, we saw last year towards the end of the season. He's your number one guy going forward at receiver. And then, you know, they are so deep at quarterback. I can't remember a quarterback room that has ever been this deep at LSU. Um, starting with Miles Brennan and going all the way down to TJ Finley, Max Johnson, and this new freshman, Garrett Nussmeyer, who's just arrived on campus. So they have a lot of toys to play with. Um, I think, you know, you're going to see a lot of diversity as right now it's just about getting to know their players, getting to build those relationships up, which was something that was reported last year. There was some disconnect this team um, between the coaching staff and the players. So to see these coaches, these young guys come in and Pete's and Mangus and really understand that, you know, hey, we got to get to know these players before we start putting any kind of football schemes out there. I think that's that's really crucial and really important here. Um, when you talk about that quarterback room, and it is so stacked. You have three guys who have multiple college starts under their belts now in Brennan and TJ Finley and, and Max Johnson. And then Garrett Nussmeyer with the high, high hopes that they have for him. Obviously, LSU is going to give Miles um, Brennan every chance to be the starter again. That's their intent. But you've got two guys who are coming off freshman years in which they felt like they showed something. And I also felt like at times – and this is just an observation because we didn't get the up-close time that we usually get with the teams, um, the on-field response by players to Max Johnson and TJ Finley was a bit different than it was for Miles Brennan. The energy levels were higher. 
that could be fluctuations based on opponent because of this team. I don't know. I'm just saying as an observation from a distance. But I think that that this quarterback competition is is open, even if Brennan is given the the lead to go in. That was another big kind of takeaway for me yesterday was, you know, somebody asked Coach O, I believe it was Ed Daniels from WGNO, asked Coach O about just, okay, what are we going to do with the quarterback room here? You know, you have two freshmen that really show that they can be the future. Miles Brennan obviously came out, you know, guns a-blazing with the first three starts. How do you approach this quarterback uh, room decision? And Coach O was – you know, non-committal. You know, what did we hear last year all throughout the regular season was, you know, look, Miles is our guy moving forward. We're extremely excited about him. Whenever he gets healthy, we're going to welcome him back. and He's going to be our guy. You didn't hear that yesterday from Coach O. And, and I think, um, you know, the, the, the late season performances, particularly from Max Johnson, getting that big win over Florida and then following it up with another big game against Ole Miss – there's going to be some competition in that room. And, you know, obviously bringing in two new guys, two new fresh faces to really dissect these four, four quarterbacks, get with them, get them in the film room, uh, you know, go over what they like, what they don't like, just, just all that kind of stuff, I think leads you to believe that this is going to be a more open competition. And I, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if we go into spring ball with really no – uh, clear answer on who's going to be getting the first team snaps, who's going to be, uh, you know, running that with that first team offense. And, um, you know, I'm just extremely intrigued. And, and I think, you know, just uh, at the same time, excited just by what, uh, you know, the development of these three or four guys can really look like heading into the 2021 season. I think they absolutely, if you do start Miles Brennan, I think those other two guys absolutely see time uh, mm-hmm. on the field because the one thing is, at this stage, Miles Brennan going to his senior year, coming off of in, in, injury, his ceiling is pretty much set. We know there's even if he improves some, there's only so much more he can do. The future is not him anymore, and that's a weird place for Miles Brennan to be in yeah. because when he got to LSU, he was the future, mm-hmm. and then you get Danny Etling, and then you get Joe Burrow, and then you get your opportunity, and it happens in a, the strangest season any of us will ever witness. And now you're back to square one, essentially. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And this is going to be a huge uh, offseason for Miles. Um, you know, look, Miles said all the right things heading up into the season. And I thought, you know, there were some guys and people that just thought he played okay. I actually thought he played pretty good. You know, this was a guy who hadn't seen the field really in two years, getting his first handful of starts. He completes almost 60% of his passes. You know, tosses for, I think, a, a program record for the first three starts and yards and touchdowns um, and, and led an offense really that was had to keep up, you know, with with the struggling defense. I mean, you know, they they they, they, they struggled in that week one performance against Mississippi State. I thought they played really well against Missouri, obviously, until that last goal line stand. And um, but, you know, look, I think what, what, it, what it comes down to for Miles is just getting healthy. Um, and and learning, just getting a more traditional offseason with his guys. You know, I think, you know, last year what we saw was, you know, he was he talked about it. You know, he went home and he was lifting car tires and he was not in the weight room and, and getting that feedback from the coaches and, and getting to work with his players like we got to see Joe Burrow do and during that 2019 offseason. Um, so there was there was a lot of pick me up that we had to see with that offense, you know, in a very short amount of time uh, with that training camp. And um, you know, I think 
a more traditional offseason to get with his receivers. You know, they're going to have a slew of incoming young talent, uh, uh, obviously with Butte. And, and also they have a couple of, you know, guys, John Trey Kirkland's returning to the roster. And, um, you know, uh, also Coy uh, uh, Moore is another name that I think could certainly improve. So they have a lot of weapons, and I think it's going to be huge for Miles to really get in and continue to build that chemistry with all those guys. Um, let's go to the retention uh, part of it with the roster. Else, you got some great news, particularly on the offensive line where they really needed it. Because if if Austin Deculus, if Ed Ingram walked, you're talking about an extremely inexperienced offensive line and a recruiting class that still only has one signee in, in, on that line. Um, how huge is it for Coach Orgeron to go into the offseason knowing that he's got experience up front? I mean, it was a huge win to get four of those five offensive linemen back and then also to get your entire defensive line returning as well uh, from last year. I mean, you look at Ed Ingram and Ali Gay, you know, those are two guys on both offense and defensive line that probably could have left and been mid-round mid, mid draft picks, I believe, you know, after the season that they had last year. And so to be able to get them back, uh, you know, another year obviously to develop, you know, I, I, I'm kind of reminded, you know, from this off you know, for this offensive line in particular, you know, 2018 was a rough year for that offensive line that had Damian Lewis. It had Boyd mm-hmm. Cushingberry, um, and it had, you know, Deculus and Sadiq Charles and all those guys. That was a struggling year for them, and they had a whole offseason to get with each other, continue to develop, continue to build that chemistry amongst one another, and they come out and win the Joe Moore Award the next season. Now, I think a lot of that obviously has to do um, with, with Joe Burrow and, and just the insane – you know, proficiency in which he played last year uh, or two years ago, I should say now, but um, you know, a lot of it also had to do with improvement. I mean, and you saw Lloyd Cushenberry and Damian Lewis turn into third round picks. Um, you know, you saw Sidney Charles turn into a fourth round pick because of that performance. And so I think I'm, I'm kind of reminded, you know, this is some similar talent uh, this year. I think that Liam Shanahan is, is, a, is going to have to really improve at center. Um, you know, there were some inconsistencies last year with him. Uh, there were some inconsistencies with Deculus as well, who was a three-year starter mm-hmm. last year. So mm-hmm. you, know, you got to get, you know, you got to get some of these guys back and continue to develop them. Uh, but I think that the future is bright for this offensive line. They have a lot of young players on this roster as well: Cardell Thomas, Anthony Bradford. Cardell Thomas, I don't know if you remember, but he was one of the highest recruited players out of Louisiana uh, a couple of years back, and he's just been hurt. Like, he's just had no time to develop. He's been out of the roster, off the team, uh, you know, out of, you know, just out of commission really with these injuries. And so if he can come back and get a full off season of full health and full development. Um, good deal. So LSU does get their defensive line back. They, the secondary will be back by and large, um, which is a, a great development for them as well. Obviously some changes to linebacker position, but we, we may see a change in scheme there. Uh, what is the the uh, situation with the defensive coordinator position? And quite frankly, you know, I, I think a lot of folks are wondering why it hasn't come from inside, an internal promotion uh, on that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, that was something I actually wrote about, you know, a couple of weeks ago when they first let go of Pelini, all that stuff became official. Um, you know, I was, you know, I actually texted a team official about this as well as, you know, will, will Corey Raymond get an interview? Will he be, uh, have an opportunity to get, you know, this defensive coordinator spot? And yeah, he said essentially all options are on the table. And so um, I think, you know, obviously the home run hire last week would have been getting Marcus Freeman from uh, Cincinnati. 
Uh, he's going to be a head coach in the very near future. So you obviously understand why he wanted to stay closer to home and go to Notre Dame. Uh, so, you know, you, you move on from that option. You, you, you bring in Zach Arnett for an interview. It doesn't look like he's going to be getting the job, the guy out of Mississippi State. Um, and there really hasn't been a whole lot of buzz about just the kind of candidates that they're going to be looking to bring in. Um, you know, there was some, some scuttlebutt that they might bring in Arkansas's defensive coordinator. He's going to beat Barry Odom. He's going to stay at Arkansas. Um, you know, I keep seeing surfacing reports of uh, Jim Leonard, who's the Wisconsin defensive coordinator. He's another young guy out there. And so all this kind of comes with the common theme is that they're looking to do exactly what they wanted to do with the offense was bring in young coaches uh, who are energetic, who are going to get these guys involved, who are going to relate to the players, I think, a little bit more than last year's coaching staff could have uh, did. And, um, you know, it's going to be it's going to be an important uh, hire. I mean, I, I think this is the most important hire of Ed Orgeron's tenure is to get this defensive coordinator spot locked down. And I think that's why that they're taking their time with this, because as Coach O mentioned earlier this week, he he's a defensive minded guy and he can handle the meetings for now. You know, he wants to make sure that he's taking his time and getting this thing down pat uh, because this is a, a hire that's really going to, I think, probably dictate the future of this program and dictate the future of Ed Orgeron as well. Absolutely. So, um, you know, this is going to be a huge, huge hire for him. And I think that's why he wanted to do the offensive guys first, you know, really rely heavily on Joe Brady with that advice. And, you know, now, you know, I, I wouldn't be, you know, surprised that this thing carries out another week or two before they finally pencil in somebody. How much is budget a consideration considering how much they had to pay out to, to Bo Pelini, pay to Scott Linehan, pay to, you know, other guys um, for their salaries and, and Scott Woodward being in a situation where LSU's in the tens of millions in, uh, in a shortfall in revenue, the university itself will be in a shortfall in revenue. Um, the salary concerns have to be, play a role in who they are going after as well? I think so to some degree. I mean, at the end of the day, LSU is going to have enough money, I think, to pay the guys who they want. Um, you know, obviously, they have to, they came out with the term sheets recently for Mangus and, and, and Pete's, and they're, I think, making $1.2 million for Pete's and about $600, 700K maybe for, for Mangus, something like that. And it's so it's not that it's not that big a dent, I don't think. As, no, that's in, typical. In, yeah, it's about typical. Um, will they pay their next defensive coordinator $2.3 million a year? I don't think so, um, especially with the candidates that are left out there now. Um, you know, I don't think Coach is going to get the, the buzz on that, uh, the, you know, the, the green light on that one. But um, so I, I do think that budget plays into it a little bit. But I think at the end of the day, Scott Woodward, the administration, and Coach O realized that this is about finding the right fit more than anything and that they can make the money work. Uh, if they can find the right fit for this program. On the recruiting side, how have things changed since the end of the season? Uh, we saw, and, and, and a lot of this, again, is typical, and, and fans react the way that they do, but we saw some players decommit and, and, or, or reopen their um, uh, uh, recruitment. But where does LSU stand right now? Still, still in the top five overall in recruiting. Yeah. Yeah, so they're they're in a pretty good spot. You know, they they missed on a couple guys. Tristan Lee, the offensive tackle, you would have loved to have him on your roster. Um, you know, they did have Rayshon Davis, who's the big linebacker out of California, who was committed to them for almost a year, uh, and was kind of the leader or one of the leaders of that recruiting class and bringing guys aboard. You know, he kind of decommitted last month, and I think that was um, a little bit of a shock to the system, a little bit of a hit to the to the, the class as a whole. 
Um, but they, they, you know, they rebound, they rebounded by bringing in the number one Juco linebacker and, uh, Nivon tech strong, who was a Mississippi state commit. They flipped him. Um, they brought in, uh, a cornerback Demarius, uh, his name, his last name escaped McGee, Demarius McGee. Um, and they also brought in another receiver in Malik neighbors when they lost out on Jojo Earl, who was also a deep commit. So, you know, the joke and, uh, Malik neighbors is one of the top receivers in this class, uh, in, in Louisiana as well. So. You know, to flip him for Mississippi State as well was was another big kind of win for this program. Um, but you know, the, the focus you know remaining here moving forward, I think, is going to be on that offensive line. Um, you know, Eric Wilson, who's a Harvard transfer, uh, much like his, much like Liam Shanahan was last year, is an eye somebody to keep an eye on. I think for the offensive line, um, they uh, obviously hope to land Brian Thomas, who we talked about a few minutes ago, who is the big receiver out of Walker. Um, he, he would be a huge addition to this class and get, uh, you know, those quarterbacks, just another huge weapon. Um, and, you know, I, I think that they're going to probably stick with offensive line for these final two or three spots and, and maybe open the door for Brian Thomas as well. Um, they also have Savion Jones, who was a commit, uh, who's expected to sign in February. There's nothing, you know, off with that. He's just going to sign with his friends in February. So uh, he's another big defensive lineman. They're going to be getting in here pretty soon. So, um, you know, I think, all in all, you know, you, like like you said, with every recruiting class, you're going to have some hits, you're going to have some misses, and um, you know, it's certainly not going to be what people thought it could have been. But I think you still got some very great value and some very good players for this future of the program. I want to transition over to the basketball side, where I think this is time. this is an incredibly different team than what we've seen the last couple of years under Will Wade. Um, far more dynamic offensively. Uh, just as good defensively. That's he's always going to make sure his teams play defense. But we we'll, we'll, still, we'll talk about Cam Thomas. But my thing is this: Trenton Wofford, Darius Days in particular, they made jumps because I was disappointed in Trenton Wofford's freshman year. Not that he didn't have a good freshman year, but it wasn't the one that he, I think he anticipated that the program anticipated. Darius Days had been a guy for two years who was an underachiever. You could see the athleticism. You could see the ability, but he hadn't put it together. You're still kind of waiting on Javante Smart to get it all together. But those three guys, Watford, uh, Days, and then Cam Thomas coming in as a freshman and being maybe the most electric freshman scorer LSU's had in since Ronnie Henderson. Maybe Ronnie Henderson. Okay. Yeah. Because Ronnie was a guy who was like 24, okay. 25, right after Mahmoud. Ronnie okay. came in. But yeah, I mean, you know, Mahmoud's leading the nation score the nation. So it's a little hard yeah. to compare anybody. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, as, as far as just coming in and being that kind of player, they've not had this kind of offensive talent on their roster before. And they're doing something that they don't normally do. And that's do so much better in scoring in the paint yeah. with intentional yeah. purpose to be in there. There, there is so much about this team that I've been extremely impressed with. Um, and I, I, I want to start, I, I guess, with the returning, you know, star players. Trenton Wofford, you know, a year ago was, was struggling, you know, with his shot. He wasn't all that great at the free throw line. Um, he was a high turnover guy as well. And he has completely re- rejuvenated his game. Um, they they kind of got him playing in more of a point forward spot now, to where he can get guys involved, drive and kick. Um, and and he's also really improved in his post game as well as his shot. His shot looks a lot cleaner this year. 
not really much of a hitch in it. There's still a tiny hitch at the top of it, but it, it's it's much more fluid. Um, I've been extremely impressed with Trendon and the development that he's made this year. He was battling a little bit of an ankle injury for a couple of games, but you know since then he's he's the last two or three games really he's he's stepped it up. He's been a huge contributor for this team, and uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's kind of in the running for that SEC Player of the Year conversation because um, he's do, he's kind of a do-it-all player. He's doing it all right now. And uh, Darius Days, I think, is somebody that, you know, you're right. The first two years, you could see the talent. You know, you could see it. It was there. He, um, you know, was was a streaky shooter at best, you know, when he was <laughs> – when he in the last couple of years, he's always been a great rebounder, a defensive rebounder and offensive rebounder. And that's certainly carried on into this year. But the thing that I'm more impressed with is his improvement in athleticism has really helped keep him out of foul trouble. Yes. Um, you know, yeah. last, last couple of years, he's been uh, extremely, you know, foul prone, fouling out of games, getting in early foul trouble, which has kind of ruined the fluid, fluidity of his game. Um, and this year, he's not getting in foul trouble. He's keeping those rebounding numbers up. You know, he's even improved as a rebounder. He's improved as a shooter. And he is just so much more athletic last year on the defensive side of the ball. He's been able to keep up with threes and fours. You know, last year he was struggling to do that. And he was getting blown by a lot. And, uh, you know, his his dedication, Will Wade said before the season, he lost 25 or 30 pounds during the offseason and just looks like a completely different player. And uh, I, you've certainly seen that early this season. Um, and then obviously with with with, um, with Cam Thomas, he he's, you know, He's the electric scorer that, like you said, LSU really hasn't had. You know, I mean, uh, you know, Tremont a couple of years ago when he was in his sophomore season was extremely electric, extremely fun to watch. But night in and night out, you know, you didn't know if that was going to translate for Tremont and the consistency wasn't there. This guy, Cam Thomas, what he does, even if his shot's not falling, he's getting to the foul line. He's getting to the foul line 12, 13, 14 times a game which is just incredible efficiency. And he's knocking down 90% of his foul shots. So even when he's not on his game, which is very rare, you know, he'll, he'll have a couple five for 17 games. He didn't play. He didn't shoot all that great from the field last night, but he was also battling with through an ankle injury, but he was able yes. to get to the front line 12 times. So, I mean, like he, that, that is an element to his game that I think is why a lot of NBA teams and a lot of national pundits are really excited about his future because you know, when you look at NBA scores, when you look at uh, in your evaluating talent, getting to the free throw line and getting, you know, all those extra free points and being efficient at the free throw line is an extremely valuable trait. And which is why I think he's going to probably be, uh, you know, the first first round pick of the Will Wade era. He's just been incredible to watch. And, you know, you take a guy last year in Anthony Edwards at Georgia who did a lot of those similar type things as far as his mm -hmm. scoring, but when I watched Cam Thomas, the one thing I would say, the reason I wasn't as high on Anthony Edwards last year and, and having seen him up close when they did, when he did come to Baton Rouge, I saw a guy who didn't affect winning. Yeah. Cam Thomas impacts winning. Um, and that's something that I, that I really enjoy about watching him play is that you can see that the team is, is not just better because he's scoring. They're better because he's on the floor. And that yeah. is, is a rare quality to find in a freshman. They, they go to him in late game situations. And, and Will Wade said, you know, last night that he hasn't had a, this much fun coaching a team uh, in his four years since he's been here at LSU. These guys are just 
laser focused on leadership. That's something you can obviously point to Watford days and Javante Smart, who we haven't really talked about, but I think Javante's had a great year too. I mean, he's really improved as a shooter. Um, you know, he, he kind of had a little bit of a stinker last night from the field, but you know, he, he, he's a lot more just in control of himself this year. I've watched all the games and that was the big thing for him last year, translating to transitioning to that full point guard position was, uh, you know, it's not, it, it didn't look as pretty, didn't look as fluid this year. He's making a lot of the right reads or a lot of the right decisions. You know, he's not jacking up shots when they don't need it to need him to um, he's getting to the basket, kicking it out to open guys. Um, he's, he's been a lot of fun to watch and, and it's been, uh, I think, honestly, he might have taken the biggest jump outside of Watford in his game, just through the fluidity in which he's playing right now and understanding what, what it takes to be a on ball point guard that gets everybody involved and not just be a scorer. He's, he's been great. I really like Javante Smart this year. He's been phenomenal. He's trying. The one thing is I think he's trying less to be a star. Yes. He's playing basketball. I think the, the, you had the first year, the, the whole recruiting thing of him, just his stature, the second year with the controversy um, and that burden of being put in an unfamiliar position of having to handle the ball. He did not handle that well. Um, and like you said, this year, that biggest change has been to me, his ability to change his tempo. He doesn't play at one speed anymore. Um, like you said, his vision is much improved because turnovers had been the biggest thing for LSU the last two seasons. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And they are much better at taking care of the basketball. And like you said, to see Will Wade smile in post games, <laughs> even when win with wins the last two years, we rarely saw him smile. But he would nitpick I, I, a lot of things. Yeah, he would nitpick a lot of things after games, and he always had that kind of just, you know, bug eyed, just you know, just intensity. Intensity, yeah. <laughs> and he has been uh, just, you know, laid back. I mean, I, I, I never thought I would say that about Will Wade, but it speaks to the leadership of this team. And that's something that he alluded to last night. And another thing that we really haven't talked about with this basketball team is the depth on the roster. Yes. Uh, they don't yes. have, they don't have, they don't have Sharif O'Neal right now. He's coming back very soon. Um, but they have the perfect, I mean, the perfect fifth starter in, in Wami Wilkinson. He was a freshman guard out of Las Vegas um, he just makes winning plays. And he, he had 11 points last night on four for four shooting, not going to blow up the stat sheet right now. He's going to be a huge piece of this offense and to this team moving forward. But for what LSU has right now with its three stars and obviously it's big time shooter in Cam Thomas, he is the perfect guy for this offense and for this team. Cause he, I think heading into the game last night, he was fourth in the country in offensive efficiency uh, when he's out on the floor, he makes winning plays. He's always at the, you know, at, around the ball at the right time. They have a couple young guards, Eric Gaines and Jalen Cook, who are going to be future studs for this team as well. Um, Will Wade has talked a lot about, you know, the on-ball defense of Jalen Cook and how it's the best that he's ever seen uh, from a freshman guard, which is really impressive. And then Eric Gaines is also a, a guy who they're going to be leaning on heavily moving forward. So uh, the, the depth of this team, I think, is something that yeah, that really propels it to another level and why I think, you know, you could certainly see them make a deep run this year. Yeah, because, again, this, this was a team that over the last couple of years rarely went more than two or three into the bench. Yeah. Um, and, past eight. and it was yeah. typically out of necessity, not because they yeah. wanted to play guys because yeah. they couldn't do much. Yeah, this – this is just uh, – if you're Will Wade, like you said, you're getting everything that he's ever preached about 
this team is exhibiting that. They have the offensive flow. They're unselfish. They are still defending at a high level. They're not turning the ball over. They're going on the road and winning games, um, which had been a problem sometimes for LSU, and performing at the same level on the road that they are at home. Right. I, I, I really, really like this team. I, 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 is this the best team in the SEC right now? That's a toughie because Alabama's playing extremely tough. That They did just lose their top guard, um, one of their top players for really, you know, the foreseeable future with a meniscus injury. So um, I would certainly say LSU's right in that, uh, you know, right in that tree with Auburn, with Tennessee, uh, with, uh, you know, with, with Alabama as well. Um, they're, they're, they're playing at extremely high level. I don't think there's any team in the SEC that's playing better all around right now than LSU. They're, 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 they're looking, they're looking pretty special. And I think that they're, they're primed for, for a big, big year this year which is why I think you see a lot of, you know, the more happier Will Wade side of, of things. He's, he's been, he's, you know, lat, past years, he's not always been the most fun to talk to. Um, but this year, man, he's just having a ton of fun with this roster with these guys. And, and it's been, it's been a ton of fun to watch. Maybe they'll get a little more attention nationally as they go forward because they so. have flown under the radar um, yeah. this season. That seems just, people just haven't looked at him enough. And I think, you know, the one thing that, that I remember, you know, I go back um, and you, we've, we've been kind of wanting those death dome days to come back. And this it's, it hurts that this is a season that really LSU fans would oh, they'd love be back in the PMAC. They would be, be back in the, in the PMAC yeah. this year. Um, this, this is one of those teams. And I was at the game last night and even at 25 percent uh, capacity, these I mean, the fans were just losing it. I mean, they were they were going you know, ape shit over this team last night. And it was, it was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, these guys are playing at an extremely high level and um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they should be considered among the favorites to come out of the SEC. Brother, you do so much work. You, you grind ridiculously. Please tell folks how they can follow you on social media and check on your work. Yeah, absolutely. So you guys can give us a follow over at uh, uh, si.com slash college slash LSU. We've recently gone um, a little bit different route. We're, transitioning to this fan nations uh site now um but we're still going to be a part of the sec or the si uh brand but you know you can guys can still follow us over there um and then obviously on glenn at glenn west 21 you guys can give me a follow on twitter um you know we're, we're pumping out articles left and right and it's it's a lot of fun it's a lot of work but it's a lot of fun as well so um you know i love coming on this show i love you know talking with grub shooting shit with him for a couple minutes and uh yeah, I mean, let's do it again soon, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and with this this season, you know, look, this is basketball is my first love, and with this team right now, oh, yeah. we definitely have to stay in touch on this because I, I want to see how this story ends. Yep, I do too. So for my man Glenn West, I am David Grubb. You know how to follow me at DM Grubb on Instagram and Twitter and the website hitpwithdg.com. So until the next time, this has been another episode of Hard to Think. Hard to think.